Hebrews 3, verse 7. We're going to read down through chapter 4, verse 13. Now, two weeks ago, when I was with you last, as I was away last weekend, uh, we looked at the first six chapters, of chapter, first six verses of chapter 3, where Moses and Christ are compared. Uh, today, we are going to compare those who received their teaching. So the writer is making a direct correlation between the way that Moses' teaching was received by the children of Israel during the Exodus and the way his audience, the people to, who received this letter firsthand, were receiving Christ's message. And by extension, we can think about how are we receiving Christ's message? Are we listening and believing and trusting in him? It's a good searchlight on our souls and our lives. So, so let us now turn our attention to God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in his passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience against, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked, 
and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. Rest is something that we all need and want. Now, I spent the majority uh, of my day off this week on Friday uh, working in the yard, mowing and trimming shrubs and raking mountains of magnolia leaves that are the bane of my existence, blowing off the sidewalks. Uh, because there's, there's so many magnolia leaves in the backyard, there's not a lot of grass, so there's dust everywhere. So I was looking forward to a good night's rest a Friday night, but it was not to be. My allergies were so aggravated from the dust and pollen that I could not sleep. And I can think of only one thing worse than longing to go to sleep when you are physically exhausted, but you cannot because of sinus congestion and that tickle in your throat that keeps you awake. Well, that one thing that is worse than being physically unable to get rest when you desire it is not being able to rest because of unrest in your soul the nagging knowledge that things are not what they should or could be. Worry, a troubled conscience, self-doubt, a sense of meaninglessness, regret, guilt, unpaid bills, relationship problems, health problems, work-related issues, the list goes on and on and on of things that can disturb us, worry us, and keep us awake at night. How many nights have you laid in bed in torment, longing for peace and rest in your soul? And maybe you're even walking around in this condition, trying to find peace and rest, but not, or trying to find it in things of this world that give you relief for a short period of time, but not lasting relief in your very heart, in your very soul. Well, the good news today is in chapter 4, verse 9, where it says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, that word Sabbath rest, or that phrase Sabbath rest, is very sweet to us, uh, especially if you are one of the people of God. It's not just rest, it's a Sabbath rest. The Sabbath combines rest and worship. When God instituted the Sabbath rule before, uh, before the fall, back in Genesis, uh, God had finished all his work, the work was complete, and he rested on the seventh day. And he called man to do the same, to take one day out of seven and rest from his work, and to take that day and to use it not only for rest but for worship to recalibrate his life in reference to God. And the same is true of us today. We celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday, the day the Lord rose from the dead, and that is the day when we rest from our regular labors and we come together and worship God in church, in our families, uh, in private, on our own. And it reminds us of our relationship with the Lord that we have peace with God because Jesus provides forgiveness of sins. We can have a relationship with our Creator because 
because of what Jesus did to pay the penalty for our sin on the cross. His work was finished there. He provided all that was needed for forgiveness of sins and to restore the relationship that was lost in the garden, the relationship that was broken between God and man. When you live in right relationship with God, when you enjoy that right relationship with God, the Bible makes it clear that no matter what comes your way, you can be at peace. You can be content. I think of uh, Paul in prison in Philippi. You know, he's there chained, uh, chained up, and, and it's midnight and they're singing hymns. Who does that? Who can, who can sing hymns while they're in prison in miserable conditions? Not sure of what the future holds. But Paul was content because he knew that he had the approval of his heavenly Father. He had the approval of the one who holds his soul in his hands. And whatever came, uh, whatever it might be, whether it's life or death, he knew that he was in God's, uh, under God's control he knew that he was in good, right relationship with God, and that gave him peace and contentment, even in the midst of the storms of life. So the, this rest that is for, for the people of God, this Sabbath rest, is not just a, a rest, but a, a resting in knowing that you are in right relationship with your Creator, who holds all things in His hands. There's nothing to worry about. You know, He clothes the sparrow, as He said. And not one sparrow falls to the ground and, and, and uh, without his knowledge. He knows the very number of hairs on our head. For some of us, that's, uh, that's not as uh, a great a number as others. But he knows it. He knows everything about us. He knows all the intimate details uh, of us. And, and he cares for us. That's such a wonderful knowledge to know. Gives peace to the soul. Now the first audience to whom this writer is writing, they needed to hear this because their lives were being uh, were, were difficult. They were being uh, attacked and tortured and thrown in prison for their faith. And they were ready to give up. They wanted to, to chuck this whole Christianity thing and let's just go back to Judaism because that, that is much easier. Judaism was accepted by the Roman government. Christianity was not and therefore they were not persecuted. They were getting tired and weary along the journey of faith. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, there's a rest to be had. Don't lose your faith. There's something wonderful that is coming, that is promised for you, something that you haven't yet experienced fully and completely, this rest for your soul that you're sacrificing. I've traveled a lot in my life. And, uh, and I don't want to travel anymore. Uh, we, we lived overseas, and every time I flew on a plane, you know, it's, they, they moved the seats ever closer. And I'm 6'3", and it's like my knees are... And, and when you have a 12 to 14-hour flight from England or Europe back to America, every time I flew, I hated it more. And I can remember the last time that we flew back, I, I, I just could not... I mean, it was like every second lasted an hour. It was eternal. And then, of course, I had a child, number two child, Winston, was sitting next to me throwing up for the last two hours because he got airsick. So I don't want to travel anymore. And when you, when you travel, sometimes you stay at hotels 
And, you know, you could say, you know, it would be nice to stay here. But living in a hotel is, is, is not home, is it? There's nothing better than, than finally getting home, sleeping in your own bed and being in your comfortable surroundings. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. That's why we've been singing all these songs about going to Zion and, and crossing Jordan and, and getting home and having that rest, that eternal rest. The Sabbath that will never have uh, an end. The, the sun will never set on that Sabbath when we reach that, the other side of the Jordan, as we sang earlier. The, the complete and total rest that is promised. That's what these people were ready to give up because of their lack of faith. And so we see two things here. I've got two points I want to make to you today. First, I want to show you a warning that he gives us about faith in Christ and then a promise about rest in Christ. And we see the warning here uh, about faith in Christ in the, the, chap- the end of chapter 3, 3, 7 through 19. He quotes Psalm 95 that we read at the beginning of the service, the latter half of that psalm. And the, the writer of the psalm is actually looking back at the Exodus. So the writer of the psalm is looking back earlier, several hundred years in the past, to the Exodus. And he is looking at especially one episode where the people were complaining as they were wont to do on the Exodus. In this instance... There was no water. And so that's where Moses strikes the rock and the water flows. And they are provided for in the wilderness. But that's just one episode. We could look at the entire Exodus, especially that first generation of people who left Egypt, got out of bondage, wandered in the wilderness, but they were continuously complaining and grumbling and, and fighting against Moses and fighting God, really. And so they were left in the desert. And that's what Psalm 95 is saying. Don't harden your hearts. Don't be like those people. That first generation of the people on the Exodus who did not make it to the promised land because they did not really have true faith in God. They didn't trust God. God. Excuse me. They didn't trust God through the wilderness And so they died in the wilderness. And he's making a parallel between these people to whom he's writing, the the writer of the Hebrews is writing, and he's saying, don't be like those people. You know, they they faced many hardships on the journey, but God took them through that. And the second generation actually did make it to the promised land. And they were faithful to the Lord for the most part. But again, there's something greater being fulfilled here that we're looking forward to. So he's giving us, first of all, in the first few verses, Psalm 95, verses 7 to the end. And then he's telling us, look, those people left, they identified with the people of God. You know, they looked like the followers of God, but they really weren't because they did not have faith in God. Now we can go through our lives and put up a good facade, a good show for the world, but really, do we have faith? Are we trusting in the Lord? You know, we can come to church. We can say, hey, I'm here on the Sabbath. If we're talking about the Sabbath, I'm here today. I'm worshiping. I'm, I'm with the people of God. But are we persevering? Are we continuing in faith on a day-by-day basis? 
he gives us this encouragement in verse 12, 13, and 14. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Take care. Watch over your heart. You know, that's really what it's all about. The word heart is mentioned about eight times in this, in this, this chapter uh, or in this, this text that I just read. Your heart is what you need to keep and watch after because our hearts are fickle and our hearts are tender unless they get hard. And you think about your heart. You know, when you, when you were younger, uh, maybe you were in elementary school or junior high or high school, remember the first time your heart was broken? You know, that guy or that girl that you just were crushed on and they just completely broke your heart. And you were very careful and reticent to enter into that scenario again the second time. You were probably much more cautious and careful. But what's happened is your heart's become harder. You've become protective. Think of a marriage where, where a, a, a wife is so wounded by her husband that she doesn't want to really have anything to do with him anymore. Well, that's what the, the people to whom the writer of Hebrews is, that's, what the, that's where they were. You know, they, they had embraced Christ and, and they had come into relationship with him, but it was difficult, it was hard, it wasn't going like they wanted to. They felt like maybe the Lord was not really caring for them like he had promised, and so they, their heart was wounded and they were ready to become hardened towards God. I want to turn away from you. You're not giving me what I want, so I'm going to go over here. That's where they were. And sometimes we can get to that place where we are like, God, you're not giving me what I want or what I deserve, so I'm going to push you away. Well, that indicates that you don't have true faith. And he's giving us this warning because if you do have true faith, you'll listen to the warning. Today, if you hear his voice... Today, listen to him. He's telling you, don't become hardened. Don't become hard-hearted towards God and turn away from him. So watch your heart. Are you getting hard in your heart? Or are you ready to love the Lord and return to him? Personal commitment to really examine ourselves and look inside our heart, not just at our outward actions, but as our heart following the Lord. And then in verse 13 he says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Not only do we need to look at our own hearts, but we need to be in relationship with other believers who will encourage and exhort us. And Hey, you're all here. Commended. You're getting exhorted right now. And you're doing what this passage is, is saying to be done. I'm exhorting you, and you can encourage one another uh, as long as we need mutual encouragement. A lot of people think they don't. They don't need anybody. I'm a rock. I'm an island. I'm a lone ranger. I can do what I want to do. And I don't need anybody else. But no, the, the Bible consistently tells us how much we need one another in the body of Christ. And we can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We need friends to say, look, you're going in the wrong direction. Things are, you're, you're making bad choices. I had a friend who uh, went on a date 
And he ended up marrying the girl uh, with whom he was on the date. And he said, I knew that she was the one for me because during the dinner she told me that I had mustard on my face. Uh, That was his testimony. Sarah needed a little bit more than that to marry me. But my friend Bill, he's like, that was, you know, she cared enough about him to say, there's something wrong here. You know, that was a first indicator that she would be open and honest with him. We need people in our lives like that who will be open and honest with him. And we're called to be that towards one another in the church. Being a Christian is difficult, and our hearts can get hurt, and we don't want to become hardened, and we need to look at our hearts. We need to listen to others who will talk to us. Verse 14 says, For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. See, the people on the Exodus did not hold their confidence in the Lord to the end. They, they gave up. They quit on God. Now, secondly, and quickly, we have a promise here about rest in Christ. And the word rest here is mentioned more than the word heart. It's mentioned 12, 13 times in this passage. Psalm 95 indicates that there is a coming rest. He's, they, it tells us and explains in this, these verses that Joshua wasn't the one that gave them rest. You know, Joshua led them on into the promised land. Now, just getting to the promised land was not the rest that, they, that God is talking about here. There's something more to be had, and that's what he's saying. There is a great rest, a coming rest, not to be confused with that rest that they enjoyed, rest from that journey. So he's saying, look, you are on the spiritual journey, and there's still a rest that you're heading towards. There is a rest you can experience now, and there is a greater rest that's coming. And he says in verse 1, While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it, like those people in the Exodus. They didn't get to the promised land. And then in verse 11, another exhortation, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience that they had in the Exodus. Strive to enter that rest. Keep our eyes on that prize, the ultimate rest, the Sabbath that never ends, the the coming face to face with God and delighting in his presence forever in the new heavens and new earth. That's what's promised to us. And when we take our eyes off of that and put our hope in the things of this world, we get discouraged because We weren't created for those things. We weren't created to just be consumers. We weren't created to to just have material possessions. We are created to glorify God, to enjoy Him forever. And when we're doing what we were created to do, it just feels right. It is right. Have you ever tried to nail in a, a nail with a shoe? I have done that. It doesn't work all that great. But a hammer works really well. Use the right tool for the job. There's nothing better than hitting a nail and driving it in. It's a good feeling. The, the hammer is used for that purpose. And when it's being used for that purpose, it's reaching its full potential. It's doing what it's created to do. The same is true of us. When we delight in God, when we enjoy God, we are being and doing what God has called us to do, what he's created us to do. 
And we can find rest in that in the present in knowing that through Christ we have a right relationship with our Creator and we can enjoy a relationship with Him now. And also we look towards the future when nothing will impede that full and complete knowledge of God in an intimate relationship with Him forever in a Sabbath that will never end. If we are struggling with... uh, those things that keep us awake at night, lack of peace, uh, troubled conscience, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. Come to Christ because that's the only way you're going to enjoy true peace, true rest in your soul as a human being. It's only through Him that you can have that. Jesus said it best. He said, Come to me, all who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How do you get that rest for your souls? Verse 14 tells us, For we have come to share in Christ, if we indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Sharing in Christ, becoming united to Him, It's kind of like being in a marriage, being married to Christ, taking his yoke upon us and learning from him, putting ourselves under him as his bride and and having that close, intimate relationship with him and walking with him, not being hardened like a, a wife who has been hurt, but in a loving, intimate relationship with God, continuously coming back to him. When we've done wrong, running to him. When we're going through trouble, running to Him, constantly going to Christ and sharing in Him, holding our original confidence in Him firm to the end. And one day we will enjoy the fullness of that rest that we can enjoy now by being in right relationship with God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that we can have rest in You. And Lord, we pray that You would give rest to our troubled souls. Lord, we pray that you would help us not, like Adam and Eve, uh, run in shame and hide from you, but Lord, may we run to you, like the prodigal son coming in, and, and we know that you, in that picture, run out to meet us, to accept us, to bring us in, not just to be your slaves, but to be your children, to give us a status, to give us a place. Lord, we pray that all of us would know that here today, and that you would encourage us in our hearts to turn to you always and to keep putting our faith and trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.